welcome to another episode of the Lifestyle Regulars podcast. My name is Florence and joining me today in the basement, we have regular Richard. How are you going? Yeah, pretty good. Or can I say, okay, ho. (laughs) (laughs) And we also have podcast guest alum, Roger, joining us. Now, you guys might remember him from an episode that we did last season about Asian Australian doctors. How are you, Roger? Yeah, good. Not bad. Okay, ho. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, today is an episode that I think we can all relate to. It is all about language and learning another language or being from an ethnic minority in Australia. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our experiences learning this other language growing up and ultimately how we found the experience and if or how we're going to teach that to our kids in the future because I think that's a really, really big point of um discussion. Mm. Um, so let's start off by giving the listeners a bit of context about each of us. Roger, what language was spoken in your household growing up? Hello. Uh, my family spoke Mandarin, which I didn't realize um, until much later, but we have a very rural kind of accent, apparently. Um, so apparently we all sound like country bumpkins is what my mom says, but uh, to me it's just normal Mandarin and everyone else sounds weird. Is there a name to that dialect? No, no, it's not dialect. It's, it's just the accent that they have oh. from Fujian, which is apparently oh, yeah, 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 that's lower cool. SES. Yeah, um, but yeah, that, that's all I've ever known. So all those northern, yeah, all those northern people sound weird to me. Um, but that's where I'm. That's my. Do you find that with the accent that you find it tricky to understand other people, like people from Beijing? Not really. Sure. Um, it's not tricky to understand. It's more so just uncomfortable understanding them. Oh no, it's, I'm just joking. It's just. Oh. I, I, they just sound funny um but we like we don't at least i'm not even sure if it's a fujian thing or if it's just my family thing but like for example s the sh sound and the s sound in chinese we don't differentiate and ch and c we don't really differentiate so if i'm like uh i am this or i'm a dog is like what you're meant to say but we're like well and that's the same as number four yeah. So, and then it all just sounds the same, but apparently that's not, that's not a thing. Apparently there's, apparently there's a bit more brain to, to it that, that you're meant to apply, but we've never done that. So Country bumpkin. Yeah. Apparently. What about you, Richard? Uh, my family is from Guangzhou, China. So we spoke uh, Cantonese at home. But my since my mom's side is from uh, the city and my dad's side is from the country, it's very similar to Roger, my dad's side has a different diet almost like a different tonality of uh, Cantonese mm. so in Cantonese that area is called Silheng and instead of using like your S and SH differential it's essentially replacing certain words with other words for example for those Cantonese listeners out there um, eat is called sick yeah or sick yeah is I eat stuff but in my dad's uh, Cantonese they replace sick with ya or ya, which is oh, so I've weird. I've not heard that before. Yeah, yeah. So when I go back to China, my dad in, in Guangzhou he talks normally, he talks like normal <laughs> Cantonese. And then as soon as he goes to the village, he just flicks a switch and then starts using like weird words. I'm like, the hell? Where'd that come from? <laughs> I've not heard that at all. It's yeah. like Singaporean people when they're like outside of Singapore. They're like, oh yeah, how's it going? And yeah. then when they go to Singapore, <laughs> they're just like throwing all these extra things. You're like, What's go- what did you just say? Well, How interesting. Well, my parents are both from Hong Kong. Um, they We speak Cantonese at home and it's all, we only have the one 
city Cantonese. <laughs> we're like standard. Yeah. Um, all right. It's one so of the masses. We're one of the masses. So we've got <laughs> country bumpkin Mandarin. Sort of country <laughs> Yeah, half, half. And then Hybrid. standard Cantonese, yeah. All right. How did you guys come about learning these languages? So, Richard, we'll start with you. How yep. did you learn Cantonese? Did you learn it through just your parents, the environment, or did you have a more formalized experience? Yeah, like pretty much. Uh, growing up was completely Cantonese. So, I never spoke English at home. And even through primary school, I went to ESL, which was like English as a second language. Uh, I can safely say I topped that class, by the way. <laughs> but, and I got moved out of that class, I think, in year three or even year two. So, um, yeah, before that, like, my English was terrible because all I spoke was Cantonese at home. And, yeah, I can say confidently I'm pretty fluent in Cantonese. I can go back to China and just speak conversationally. Can you read and write? Because that's a separate nah, thing. Nah, okay. not at all. Like, I can read the simple stuff because I went to Chinese school for maybe two to three years. But you know, like the one, two, threes and the, <laughs> the very weird words that you never say, like uh, thick <laughs> and, um, oh, I can't even remember. Like, Yeah. Okay. All right. So purely through immersion, but a little bit of formalized. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Roger? Um, I forgot the question. <laughs> so did, you, did you learn Mandarin? Was it through immersion at home? Oh, or was right. it through formalized teaching yeah so when i was born my parents were like oh i've already got a child to take care of and we're just trying to make some money and survive in this weird foreign place let's just this is too much um not sure if i was an accident or not but by that context it sounds like it so they were like oh let's we have some grandparents let's just like give him to them oh so i, I was like sent off to china to um to live Oh, no way. I didn't know this. Yeah, with my grandparents. Really? I essentially lived a year in Australia, I think, until I could legally leave the country. And then I went to China and I'd bounce back and forth between China and Australia for a year at a time. So I'd be back in Australia, back in China until my grandparents' visa could be renewed. And then I'd come back. And then, so essentially I was raised by my grandparents, um, wow. bouncing wow. to and from, um, which is probably why I'm so fucked up. <laughs> 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 But, like, I remember being, like, first time starting, like, when I became five and, like, oh, you need to start kindergarten. I moved back and I'm, like, oh, who are these weird people? Which were my parents. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I, I learned Mandarin because that's, um, that yeah, yeah, that's all I knew, the, really. The country bumpkin. Yeah, pretty much. Mandarin, just, right. like, country Mandarin and, and, like, I'd be doted on for all my needs mm. by my grandparents and my mum's sisters who lived in China as well and they were just like this guy's so cute let's buy him some prawns um and yeah so all I, all I learned was a very basic level of Mandarin like a five-year-old Mandarin and I kind of stayed at a five-year-old Mandarin <laughs> level for about the next 15 years of my life um and so how did you go about so going from being completely Mandarin speaking to starting Kindy, how did you find that transition? I don't know if you remember because I don't. Yeah. We went to the same primary school. Yeah, I, I I really cried. Yeah, yeah, no, did, yeah. Was we there went an ESL program. There was an ESL what program. Did you not go? Wow. Okay. <laughs> no, there was like me and like two, nice. me and yeah, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> me and two Koreans, I think, and like I remember being in kindergarten or something and learning about colors, um, and. At one point, the teacher, I think it was a French teacher who taught us English. I don't know how that works. But it, it was like, I think I was learning dark blue as a concept. 
and I didn't couldn't differentiate between dark and duck. So then I, I went home to my grandma, my lalal, and then she, I was like, "Oh, I learned about colors." And she was like, "I was like my favorite." In Chinese, I was like, my favorite color is Yazilang, which is literally duck blue. And it's oh. like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, uh. Um, yeah, so it took me a while to learn English. I, I, I hung out with like the only other male Chinese boy in kindergarten was like Michael Peng. Yeah. I just kind of followed him around in kindergarten until he kind of got bored of me. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> and then I learned, and then I had to learn English. Um, yeah, so that's that's where and I was at. And then you said that you stayed at like a five-year-old Mandarin. Yeah, so my kind of embarrassingly, my mum's a Mandarin teacher. Well, was a Mandarin teacher at TAFE until the Abbott government defunded TAFE, and they're no longer funding um, like uh, languages other than English. So now she just teaches English. But she used to teach Mandarin at TAFE, um, and and. You know how, like, anything your parents do is just super lame? So my mom would be like, oh, you should really learn Mandarin. I can teach you. Like, fuck no. Like, that's the lamest thing. I've, I can't think of anything more boring. I'm going to play, like, Pokemon Snap on Nintendo 64 or something. I'm going to watch my brother play Zelda instead. Um, and so I never got anywhere. And so it got to the point where, like, one time um, she volunteered at our church to teach Mandarin and then they'd have full classes after church of like all these people, like all these young people who were keen to learn Chinese, including these oldies, like retirees who were just like, oh, like Malaysian Chinese people were like, oh, you, you know, like I've never learned Mandarin before, like probably mm-hmm. I'd like to learn it for the first time. And so my mom was having like a grand time with all these people and I was just like, fuck, church is already so boring. Now I have to stay like an extra two hours. I just want to go home and play like Pokemon Crystal. And then... um yeah, I just be sitting there like drawing doodles and not even not not learning anything, just kind of like adamantly refusing to learn Mandarin um, wow. for <laughs> no matter what until I got to like until I developed a brain and I was like, oh shit, actually all that all those times where mom and dad are like, oh Mandarin's gonna be the future, everyone in China's gonna be the, the rule of the world. I'm like, yeah, right, Australia's the best. <laughs> um, and now I'm like, growing oh, shit. up. <laughs> Because you were with your grandparents and stuff, did you learn reading and writing or, like, basic? No, because I, I, I left in, like, at five years old. So I went to, like, preschool, and I think the, the only education they give you is just nap times and, like, eating. Yeah, like, art. That's art. Oh, yeah. No, it, it was so weird. And, like, I, my, I have fond memories of um, preschool in China where they would reward, they would applaud the child who ate their lunch the fastest. It was so wow. weird. There was this one kid who always ate, ate glasses. And I was like, yeah, 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 go like whatever your name is. And they get all these stickers. And I'm like, well, I want to eat the glasses. And then the only time I'd ever be, because they'd always bring different things to for lunch. It would be like rice or noodles or whatever. The only times I'd ever beat him was when it was like fuzhou yuwang, which is like a fish ball mm. with um, yeah. pork stuffed inside. Mm. And I loved, I, I frothed that shit. So yeah. like, the only times that that I would, I would be the first one eating it. <laughs> They're like, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Dude, maybe he was the fastest because he just had no food. Like if he had one speck of rice versus someone who had a whole bowl of rice. And yeah. He was saying he was poor. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that's the only food that he ever had. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I shouldn't oh, be. Took a doctor. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, for me, growing up, so I come from a Cantonese household, but my situation's a little bit different in that my parents are both fluent in English. Dad went to university here. Mum actually did year eleven and twelve here. Mm. Oh, wow. So 
instinctively where they were like in, they're comfortable with English, whereas I'm guessing your parents, for them speaking English, it's not as much of a comfortable thing. That's right. Um, for me as well. So when I was little, one and a half, two ish, um, they realized that I could not hear a thing. I had heaps and heaps of fluid in my ear, so I was I had like ten words at the age of like two, two mm-hmm. and a half. Um, and I was just communicating in my own like sign language that I developed. Um, so they're like, hmm, this is why she's not talking. Fuck. <laughs> uh, so I had to like get that grommets put in. I had to go to a speech pathologist and basically my parents had to be like, all right, do we, do we teach her English or Cantonese as a first language? Like, what do we do? Cause we can only really pick one at this stage. Mm. So they decided to pick English. So growing up, they took me to like play groups. They only spoke English at home to me. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up without knowing Cantonese. Um, once my hearing came through and my language came through at about maybe year one ish, then they were like, okay, now we can start speaking Cantonese. Mm. So I only picked up like phrases like time to eat. Have you brushed your teeth? Where are your shoes? <laughs> like that sort of right, phrase right. level Cantonese. Um, and then, yeah, I had to go to Cantonese school. So I went to one in Dundas from year one to maybe like year three. And I fucking hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated it where I was like, no, nah, not going to learn this. I'll come. I'll sit there. Anytime the teacher says something, I just like transcribed it into my, my shitty spelling English. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then if it's time for me to read, I'll just like read out the pinyum. Mm. But it was like, it was so poor. I could not care less about it. Um, and then, so that was like my formalized education. And then since then, it's just been, um, so at home now, I speak like Chinglish half off. Yeah. And my parents are fine with that. And they mm. also speak half off to me. Um, and the same goes with my siblings. My sister's better than I am at Cantonese, but oh, she really? also, she works during uni for a accounting firm in Eastwood. Nice. So her, of course. she learns through immersion. Mm. And then whereas my brother, he did Cantonese school as well, but he just adamantly refuses. <laughs> so he, he knows like phrases. Even now. Even now. He knows yeah. phrases, but yeah. they're like half Chinglish phrases. Mm. I have found that usually the elder sibling is mm. stronger in their, uh, their parents' language, mm. especially for my sister. Um, yeah, I'm way better than her. Uh, not gonna quote, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wendy's shit. Yeah, <laughs> terrible. No one understands what she's saying. She's just in the corner, just doing it. <laughs> it's like when you go back to China, when you speak to your relatives, mm. and uh, they talk to her, she can't really say anything because she doesn't know how to respond. So I don't know. Do you find this in your family, Roger? Like, you have a mm. older sibling? My, I think kind of, but more so actually. Mine's kind of a different reason. My, my brother does speak better Mandarin than me, but that's because I left home at like the age of 18 and he's not left home yet and he's like 28 now. Mm-hmm. So I think he's just spent more time speaking Mandarin at home. And so, uh, and as you grow older, you talk about other things. Like he talks to my dad a lot about sports and I think like. Oh, in Mandarin? Yeah. In, well, um, we are, we're like a Mandarin household. Oh. We speak, my mom's been very, since, since we were young, I talked to my brother in English. But then whenever we're talking to anyone else in the family, my mom's very strictly like Mandarin. So she's really, really enforced it. Well, 
I think maybe she must have maybe enforced it with a little bit of effort for like six months and then it's just been natural. Like it's just, mm. that's a status quo and that's all we, that's all we do. So my brother's better, but that's, mm. I think it's just because he's had an extra 10 years of speaking mm. Mandarin at home. Um, yeah. Even if I give my sister two years, she can't catch up. <laughs> She's nowhere near. <laughs> is it, in, is Cantonese enforced in your house or like an unwritten rule? That yeah, it pretty as much As soon is. as you step in. That's yeah, easy. that's right. Like again, I'm similar. I, I speak yeah. to my sister in English, mm. but my parents in Chinese. Okay. Whereas I'm like half half. I I actually reckon I speak to my parents more in English than in Cantonese. Um, mm. why do you why do you think that it was so big for your parents to teach you guys that like Cantonese or Mandarin first, like in this household? Yeah. Do you think it was was it because they wanted you to be able to communicate with? I don't know if you had grandparents. I know Roger, you had. Grandparents that you're with, Richard. Did you have grandparents? No, my you needed to talk to. Yeah, my grandparents were only here until I was probably three or four, just before uh, primary school. So not really, but I think in the beginning it was more just like preserving the language and making sure that they can still talk to us because they they're really poor in English. Mm. Um, I think in terms of our parents' levels, probably Florence, your parents. Probably the there's, best in English. There's special case. I would. <laughs> and then Roger, and then mine are like <laughs> kindergarten level. My my parents. Yeah. So yeah, if they can't communicate to me in English, it will have to be Chinese. Yeah. So that was probably the main reason in the beginning. But now they're like, oh yeah, Chinese is gonna be the best language in the world. You have to learn Chinese, so you better yeah. better talk Chinese at home. You know. So you're a Cantonese speaking household, but before we jump on the mic, you mentioned that you to me that you did Mandarin. Oh well, yes. You went to Mandarin school. Yeah. So this is interesting because. Uh, I started in Cantonese school and my teacher was actually, um, both, uh, we both have this friend, uh, Isaac, Isaac Chan. Oh, yeah. His mom taught me Cantonese oh, at, nice. at Cantonese school. Um, I don't know if that was the reason why I didn't want to keep doing that, but no one likes Chinese school at that time. Then after selective high school, I went on a trip to China with my dad and we went on to one of these Chinese tours. And they spoke Mandarin only. It was in like a Beijing tour. So I had no idea what was going on. And essentially right after that trip, I came home like, no, I want to learn Mandarin. So oh. I told my parents, like, no, I don't want to do Cantonese school. I want to do Mandarin school. Wow. So how old were you? Uh, what's C6? Oh, okay. So you're um, like 12, 13. Yeah, yeah, stage. yeah. That's and pretty work. That's pretty <laughs> old to be learning a language actually. I don't know. I think that yeah. just happened. Okay. And then I went to uh, Mandarin school for maybe a year and I got old, got old. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> but again, like from there, it still has inspired me to learn more Mandarin. So I can speak conversationally in Mandarin just from just picking it up from listening mm-hmm. to people, uh, not as much TV shows, more mm-hmm. just people talking it and being more observant in that way. So if you want to really want to learn it, then you're like, oh, yeah, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. You pick it up a bit better that way. Yeah. Did you guys find, so I know that uh, the first, you know, six, five, six years of real life were purely uh, Chinese. And then once you started school, you like started learning it, you started doing the whole ESL program. Did you find that once you were more immersed in English at school, that you started like pushing back a little bit on using Chinese at home? Was there ever that instance because you were like, I'm becoming my own person. My identity is English because and an Australian because I'm in a school with where they're teaching English. My friends 
at least at North Rocks, yeah. the white school. Yeah. No, I, I, I wouldn't say I pushed back at using it. At using it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so my parents always wanted me to speak Mandarin. I think because my dad's English isn't very good. My mom's English is fine because she teaches English as a second language mm-hmm. at TAFE. She studied English at uni in China. So I guess however good that is. Um, and because and they wanted us to have ties with my grandparents and extended family and everything. Um, but I never pushed back at home. But I did kind of, I think it did contribute to me not wanting to learn Mandarin. I feel like if I went to Carlingford West, yeah. I would have maybe been more open to learning Mandarin when I was like go to Chinese school when I was younger. But being, I think being at the school that we were at, Florence, like it doesn't really celebrate diversity too much. No, it doesn't. I actually remember being like, not, they weren't making fun of me, but I'd have like, I'd say something and I'd go, oh, for lunch, I have like mean, like noodles. Yeah, right. And then I remember some girls being like, oh, mean. What's that? You're so mean. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember feeling really like ashamed or just feeling a sense Fucking Sarah of like. Sarah Fitzpatrick. Or- <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remember having a sense of like just wanting to hide it a little bit because mm. we went to a school that was um, Anglo. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the same. Like I, I, um, it, it, especially for us, I think, well, I think this kind of encapsulates it. Like when it became year five and six, like, I don't know, half the grade must have sat the OC, class, OC test or something, mm. but Florence and I are both dumb and neither of us got in. I was on the reserve list. <laughs> I don't think I was even on the reserve. But then after that, in year five, there became a really strong distinction in the grade between the OC class and the and the kind of normal dumb, the dumb kids. And the OC class was like purely, purely Asian, like purely Chinese people from Carlingford West and Murray Farm yeah. and, um, and then some like a... a a few picked out from from North Rocks, and then I like being not in part of the OC. I almost identified as like a white kid because there was so I, I much. Would say the same, yeah, yeah, wow. there was so much differentiation. It was just and, and people kind of like people weren't overtly racist, but they would be like they would kind of like as a pseudonym for being a Chinese or an Asian is being is calling them nerds, yeah. and then people were like oh there's nerds look at the nerds they do that I'm like yeah. Damn chinky nerds. <laughs> um, and I don't think that was, I mean, that was a new thing in year five, but it, it is, it, it became what it was because of, I guess, the culture that was part of that school. It's not like, and it's not that, you know, kids create the culture. It's a bloody dumb, like, children, but it was just kind of what we were surrounded by the diversity that we were exposed to and the fact that we didn't, there wasn't any acknowledgement or celebration of any multiculturalism. No, mm. there really wasn't. And I remember even like language aside, just feeling very much like that other. Because mm. even things like food, like, you know, like the little Asian snacks that you get for mm. like recess. I remember being like, oh, I don't really want to eat this. In oh, life. really? Yeah, um, I felt very much like oh, that. Really? And I think. Well. I think I liked want want crackers too much to, to hide <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't my issue. That was mine. Was the seaweed? Oh yeah. That I remember being like, oh, I'm gonna get like caned for this. Really Not well. caned, but I'm gonna get made fun of. I felt very self conscious. There was a fucking kid who ate food dye at recess. Who? Um, Scott Divide. Do you remember him? Oh, he, he was a very that checks beha- out. yeah. It <laughs> was a very like. It was a very strange kind of behavioural family. Reflection he had. Like something like either ADHD or maybe level one, level two ASD. Yeah, I, well, 
some so, some some sort of neurodevelopmental yeah. issue. But like their whole family was a bit fucked. But like this kid would just bring food, die, and then just drink food, die <laughs> at recess. I'm like, okay, no, at least my shit isn't as weird as that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you guys learn? Did you guys have a class in primary school that was like a different language? No. Weird oh, French. weird French. French. Sorry. Weird oh, okay. French. I learned that chocolate in French is chocolat. Oh, I learned about fromage. <laughs> we had French. No croissant. Um, well, in my primary school, the language you had to learn was Chinese. Oh. So Which primary school? This is oh, Dennis Tanese. Dennis yeah, okay. So it was still an Anglo uh, primary school, but there was a strong uh, Asian community there. Mm. But um, I still remember going to that Chinese class and being like, oh, yeah, I'm the, the best at this. But at the same time, I think some of the students would see Chinese class as like a a class you just clown in, like just mm. make fun. That Chinese teacher would like rotate quite often because mm. I think it was so frustrated. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. So it was interesting to be in that dynamic, but I never had that feeling of oh yeah, I've got to hide my food. Yeah, because we didn't have an OC class. We had a extension class, so which is kind of similar. It's like what a public school tries to do when there's they're like, like, this is your gifted and talented. Gifted, yeah, that's it. Remaining. Yeah. Had that at yeah, yeah. Like, were you in it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly wasn't. Clearly, clearly wasn't. <laughs> Wait, were we? I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, all my friends were. <laughs> all, all my friends were uh, Chinese, so I had took out all the food and yeah, didn't have an issue with that. They even spoke like, some Cantonese. Yeah, so anyway. you, because you were at a. Uh, more multicultural, more like uh, Asian-centered school mm. you, in in like the playground, Cantonese, English. Uh, still English, but like sometimes you say random things in yes. Cantonese. Like, yeah, mm. <laughs> uh, I can't even think of it right now. But um, yeah, that's good. I I really envy that actually. Like yeah. in reflection, I really really envy that. Thank God we went to selective schools afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was a big. Tough you actually went to like fucking like. Comprehend Millfield High School, Jesus Christ. Yeah, my parents would never have let that. Yeah, my um, my backup would have been gifted and talented class for Carlingford High. Oh, all my Carlingford girls. I think they we moved house, so I think I was eligible for like Cherry Brook or some things, which is Asian centric. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, Mm, I would have been at Epping Boys. Uh, Oh, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. For those who don't know, Millfield is just like. We used to call it manure field. <laughs> uh, it was all, it's also an agricultural school. That's yeah. why. Oh, that's yeah. part of it. Yeah, and it was just where all of the the kind of all the drop kicks from North Rocks would just end up <laughs> by default at, at manure field. It's kind of a meme. Like I, I met one of my colleagues who's a doctor. She was like, "Oh yeah, my mum is like uh, went to manure field." I was like, "Oh my god, I know manure field." And then she's like, "Yeah, she's actually really successful. How crazy! <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> amazing." It sounds like. Roger and I are shitting on North Rocks Public School a lot. It was a good school. Yeah, you know, it was perfectly fine. It was a good school. It was <laughs> perfectly passable. <laughs> All right, so altogether, I think we can agree that language is very, very intimately tied to your sense of identity. Mm. Um, and at least for me, I because my Cantonese is very broken, um, Growing up, it wasn't an issue because, as you can tell, I had a lot of, like, identity crisis things as a kid growing up in a white school. But the older I get, and I think the big turning point was going to a selective high school, 
going to like an Asian selective high school. Um, my sense of identity kind of took a weird turn and then I started, the older I get, the more like almost sense of shame I have that my Cantonese is very fractured. Mm-hmm. Do you guys feel that at all? So, cause I'm, I'm assuming, do you think that your Chinese has gotten better with age or did it plateau? Did it get worse the less that you're using it because you were only kind of mainly using it at home? Uh, I can say my Chinese skills has definitely improved. Okay. Um, there is now like, uh, in 20, in the 21st century mm. where everything is made in China, there is an incentive to be better in mm. Chinese. So my only shame, I guess, is not being able to read and write. And, uh, I'm, I'm still quite proud of being able to speak both Cantonese and Mandarin, but not being able to read and write means, uh, I still lose out on a lot of things. Um, and yeah, in, in the business world of thought, which we may touch on later. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Roger? Mine's definitely gotten better, but that's with a lot of effort and de- like a deliberate effort. So, um, once I became an adult, I was like, yeah, okay, Chinese is pretty important, uh, especially as I started doing medicine. And, um, you kind of see that like the Chinese community is huge in us in Sydney. Um, and it's a little bit underserved in terms of from a medical perspective because there just aren't many, well, there are Mandarin speaking doctors, but they, yeah, not as, there aren't enough. Um, and often when like a Chinese patient ends up in hospital and can't speak English, like my own grandparent, like my own grandmother who's, uh, who bounced in and out of hospital a lot before she passed away, like it, it's just, it's, you, they don't get, they kind of get treated as second class citizens in a way. It's almost like an, it's an effort because we have to find someone who can talk to them. Yeah. Like yeah. So, uh, in, during uni, I was allowed to do like a, I forget what they're called, like an extracurricular course or two extracurricular courses or gen ed, gen, gen ed. Educa- yeah, that's the one. Yep. And I did introductory Chinese for background speakers, which is, the perfect, like, it is the perfect course because it is specifically for people like us. It's like, you, you can speak a bit of Chinese. They, they, they kind of welcome the fact that you can speak a little bit of Chinese with your family. You can't read and write for shit and you just want to learn more. And that's specifically what it is, what it's for. And so I, I did introductory Chinese for background speakers. A and introductory Chinese for background speakers B. And by the end, I got much better. I could read and write. I could re- like, like 500 characters. Wow. Um, and that was like the height of my power, my Chinese powers. Um, <laughs> and then I like made a meme page, just a plug for the meme oh, page, yes. which hasn't please, been, please tell us has, it hasn't been updated in two years, but it got like, it got like good reach, like 500,000 views on one of the memes. No um, it's called introductory Chinese for background speak. Wait, in- interest, introductory Chinese memes for background speaking teens. <laughs> um, and it's full of, full of jokes about be- being shit at Chinese. Um, and there was also someone who, there was a copycat who made an introductory Chinese beans for non-background speaking teens. Cause that was the other course you could have done. Uh, it's not as good. <laughs> um, yeah. And then after that, like at the end of the year, my friend and I, um, both medical, we went to, we were like, okay, this is a good opportunity. We did like this, this test, like the HSK, which is like a formalized Chinese international reckon, like Chinese competency examination. We got like HSK two, and we got 100 percent in that. So we should have done HSK three, but we didn't. Um, and then we did. We went to Taiwan and did like a medical Mandarin course for a week, wow. which was wasn't a formal thing. But there was a university that um, called 
Chinese Culture University in Taipei and they have like this Mandarin Learning Center, which is like kind of like UCID's health branch or like it's like an extra branch of a major uni. Um, and we hired a tutor for five days, uh, like 20 hours. And then we had to like, I emailed back and forth. I was like, oh, this is what we want to learn. Can you teach us? Here are some resources that I found on the internet. I can't read half of it. Can you like devise something for us? And she was like, yeah, fine. That's chilled. And we all got there and then it was so good. Like we learned, um, like history taking exam examination, just phrases in English. And I'm like, how do I say this? How do I ask about like, how do I like things you could even never learn from being with your parents? How do I say have sex with someone? Like, how do you say, do you do any drugs? How do you say condom? Like yeah. what's a penis? Like <laughs> how do I say penis that isn't shout you, shout Is there a better way of saying that? <laughs> Uh, apparently it's jing for anyone who's like wow. like shit like what's a vagina like all this yeah. stuff like that i need to, i need to be able to ask my patients but i'm not i'm not asking my parents that <laughs> and just how to ask it in a formal way like how do how do you say dead body like how you know, all these yeah. all these things and then we were able to practice it and um it was really really good and afterwards my, myself and marco we like my, my friend, we would continue to study. We, we, there was these resources from like one of these unis in, in the US that uploaded all their resources onto, um, it's a specifically a Chinese Mandarin, a medical Mandarin course, like a 10 week course in this uni. They've uploaded all their stuff onto this Google Drive that anyone can access. Um, and it has full systems like, um, cardiology, wow. gastroenterology, like renal, all this stuff. So we would, we kept it up for about a, like two months where we went through like a system at a time and then and then med school exams got too busy so we, we kind of like left it but like i went made notes and went through like cardiology notes and and be, just to translate and practice it um and whilst i haven't really worked on it in the past two three years because i've been busy with work i should get back into it but like it's been really really useful when i see patients like mm. i've actually noticed that i can my medical mandarin is better than my like conversational mandarin like i can ask you like about your pain your nausea your symptoms and yeah. your, your past your other medical problems i'm i can say common drugs and like and organs which i i, I couldn't i didn't know before but i can't i can't talk have a decent talk to you, anyone about soccer for example i'm like <laughs> chill tea chill like kickball yeah good <laughs> and how um, yeah oh yes <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that's that. That's kind of my journey of going for wow. to appreciate Mandarin, and hopefully there is a financial benefit in the future when I have more patients. Mm. Ding. That's brilliant. I. That's probably the most um, like learning I think I've ever heard of anyone. <laughs> sorry, anyone like any sort of adult or teenager upwards do at all for any language i can't read shit now anymore though yeah i was gonna say yeah. have you i haven't been keeping it up i should have but i so i, I remember i was talking to my dad once and he was like if you can recognize about 300 characters you can read a newspaper no i think i thought i thought it was like a thousand oh so i got to 500 and definitely can't read a newspaper I if i got to trying to set my standards yeah like, probably <laughs> but it was good because like i went to taiwan i could even though taiwan does traditional i could mm. read a little like enough because it, you start to recognize what some certain um like simplified characters become in traditional mm -hmm. um and how to translate it in your head so i got actually pretty good i could read a menu i could read like I get around fine. Yeah. I went to China in my first year of working and I actually did a whole trip through China, like with my girlfriend who's met Chinese as good as mine. And like, 
we got around fine without needing, without even being like, hello, where's this? Like, um, yeah, yeah. So using, using my knowledge plus an app, like it was yeah. just enough. Um, but now it's just gone to shit. That's brilliant. I think my, so I, it's, it sounds like I have like no Cantonese. I do have Cantonese. <laughs> um, it's just not like, I know I can understand a lot more than I can say, but I think my big, uh, Cantonese like resurgence was during high school, like maybe year nine through to year 11, where like all the girls in the grade, you know, they lent into like the K-pop and whatever. Mm. I did a little bit. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but I, I really lent into like, um, so in Hong Kong, the big, uh, broadcasters, uh, channel called TVB and they do all the big dramas mm. and stuff. And then, so I like really lent into that and I was like watching heaps and heaps and heaps. And I watched heaps of like Mandarin dramas, like Taiwanese dramas. Mm. And then, so for that period of like two, three years, my Cantonese was like really, really good. Cause it was, that was my form of immersion. Mm. <laughs> and same with, um, Mandarin for those couple of years, I was semi conversational just from picking it up from mm. watching TV. Huh? And I, I wish that I had kept that up. I feel like if I had kept that up, my Cantonese would be better than it is now. I didn't keep it up and then because of uni and stuff and then it sort of dropped off a bit. And now I'm thinking I want to, the last couple of years I wanted to like increase it more. So I've mm. tried talking to my parents as much as I can in Cantonese. Yeah. Um, but I wish that they had your, like the university course that you were talking about, uh, Chinese for background speakers. They don't have that sort of thing because mm. I've looked it up for like, community courses yeah. and stuff. It's purely like Cantonese beginners. Yeah. Well, you can always like, uh, it's, you can always attend university courses mm. privately. Like it'll be like five grand mm. or something for the, for the thing. Um, and I was all, almost of a mind to like actually continue it. Maybe uh, it's, it's kind of like one of those half ideas that you like yeah. to think about that. Like I could hire a Mandarin t- tutor for like a hundred bucks an hour or whatever, split it between myself and my friend and then just have an hour a week or something via Zoom or something just to like keep up my medical Mandarin or keep up mm. something like some little bit of encouragement to, to keep up to date. Um, Would you say that your current um, incentive for wanting to keep up your Mandarin is purely that medical side that you want to? It's, at the moment, yeah. yeah. Like I don't, I don't feel the need to have good conversational Mandarin. Mm-hmm. It's kind of embarrassing when I don't. Okay. I'm like literally like talking to a patient. And they ask like, "Oh yeah," like some other stuff. I'm like, sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, You're like mm, penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jing. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the one. Um, yeah, but it's mostly just to get a little bit better and more fluent at that. But also, yeah, but also like learning basic, ca- like other things, like co- communication things mm. as well, is 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 really useful. Yeah, yeah, because um, professionally, uh, in I guess the on on the opposite end of medical requirements. Yeah, yeah. what's your reason for wanting to upskill? Like, yeah. do you have that desire to upskill? Yeah, hundred percent. Because nowadays with people. With a lot of manufacturing in China, you want to build a relationship with those suppliers from China. And when they can see someone in your company having the ability to communicate in Chinese or having Mm. even a Chinese background, you'll seem more favorable than others. It's like a under the table hidden 
perk mm. that you can get. So this was very uh, pronounced to me because my colleague who is who was born in Beijing and she came here in when she was like twenty something, she can speak and uh, write and read uh, fluently. So because that we had her in the company, we were able to establish really strong relationships with uh, suppliers back in China, mm. who um, which means we can go go to China and visit their uh, labs and their production lines and whatnot. So it really helps integrate like a non-Chinese speaking company with a Chinese speaking company. Mm. So that's a skill that I envied quite a bit because seeing as myself as like half halfway there being Chinese, but also being being able to speak English very well. Um, my English skills are better than her, but her Chinese skills are better than me, but her Chinese skills has more and advantages in mm. a sense. Mm. So that what's that's what really drives I think uh my inspiration to to be better in Chinese. But I think just going forward um you know y- you always hear about China being the next superpower. So you want to be able to at least converse in that language when something does happen. Mm-hmm. I think for me so I I desperately want to be able to upskill I so at the clinic we get a lot of referrals actually for people requesting Cantonese or Mandarin speaking therapists. Mm. So I have that professional incentive, but I don't think I would ever like no matter how proficient I was, I wouldn't um I wouldn't ever put my hand up and be like, Yes, I'm a Cantonese speaking therapist. So I think that would just be a disservice to the client. Yeah, yeah. I, I- like, do, you, do you ever yeah. have that worry that you're like, oh, I'm I can speak it, but I'm maybe I'm not the best person. I I used to want to do psychiatry, mm. and I was I even as I was learning Mandarin, I I was very aware that I'd never get good enough at Mandarin to do yeah. some, to practice psychiatry in Mandarin. Yeah. Don't want to do that anymore, like that. Yeah. But like, I'm perfectly fine enough to diagnose gout, like <laughs> you know, like I can I can do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but to the intricacies of language and like. Yeah. That to develop a therapeutic alliance with your patient and like really work with them and counsel them, I that takes a lot of skill and nuance that mm. is more than I have <laughs> and will achieve. Have you ever had years. this? Is kind of side what I was going to say, but have you ever had any instances where the translation has gone wrong? Oh yeah, the, oh, I, I would love I, to hear. They're it. hilarious. It's like like this like lady who needed a, a knee washout on when I was on orthopedics and she was in um she was Chinese speaking and I was like oh yeah you have I was like mm, how do I say bugs like how do I say bacteria I don't know how to say bacteria and I was like oh she's like bugs you have like bugs in your knee oh my god like chong. bugs yeah well yeah pretty much um he wants to say quan oh so yeah, but oh. like I want to say like yeah germs or something yeah, but I I just said I think I literally said insects and she's like what do you mean? Like, how did I have insects in my... I was like, oh, shit. Was, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, she was like a pediatrician in China. So I was like, uh, bacteria? She's like, oh, yeah, bacteria. I was like, oh, my God. Oh. But like, it was like two minutes of like agony. I was like, fuck, yeah. what am I supposed to say? Um, but it's actually Bing Jun, if anyone's interested in okay. bacteria. Um, yeah, and other things lost in translation, mm. which happened a lot. Do you ever have to uh, bring out your phone and just like do a Google Translate? Yeah, yeah. I often, uh, like, since then, I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a disservice not to. Like, I'm just going to bring out that's, my phone. That's what I really, really worry about. Yeah. Mm. Um, but for me, yeah, so upskilling, it's more, I, the older I get, the more I'm thinking, I want to, even though my parents are um, both fluent in English, 
the older I get I'm, and the older they get, I think that for me, it's a disservice to them to make them constantly speak English to me, even though it's no, mm. it's no skin off their back. Mm. But I think that the older they get, they want to lean into more comforts. Yeah. Which would be speaking Cantonese. Um, so I feel like I'm almost not doing my duties as their child by making them go outside of their comfort zone, even though it's not very far. Mm. It's a, it's a discomfort for them. Um, and I, this might be an irrational fear, but I have a bit of a fear of like something happening to them and then they can only speak. Yeah. Like they lose one of the languages. Yeah, that's super rare. That's like... I know. <laughs> I have a lot of like irrational yeah. fears. But that's always been one of my fears. So I've always been like, oh, I need to be <laughs> And both of them at the exact same time. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely one of my um things though that I want to be able to slowly upskill. Mm. Do you feel more intimate with them when you speak Cantonese? Is that what also contributes? Uh, a little bit. I can tell that they feel more comfortable mm. with it, um, even if it's like stupid things like talking about the dog in Cantonese. I feel like they there's a little bit of an extra spark that they get when they talk mm. when they speak in Cantonese. Mm. More so, my not so much my mum because my mum's like, no, nah, I would never go back and live in Hong Kong. That place is like <laughs> people living on top of people. Why would I go back there when I have a house? Yeah. <laughs> but I think my dad definitely has always wanted to go back. Mm. He's always wanted to live there. He's always felt comfortable there. Um, and when when we were little, they were thinking of like moving back to Hong Kong. So I could have been Cantonese speaking girl. Mm. Wow, I know. Yeah, cheesing. Crazy, <laughs> crazy. Um, but I, for him, it's it's very much there's a spark that I can see, a small one, but like he feels mm. more comfortable. So I think that's why that's what I want to upskill for. Mm. Okay, let's think forward to the future. Um, we are 25, 26. No secret that we're starting to think about adulthood and beyond. Mm. And kids, that's, that's one of the things. That's one of the markers. Um, considering that, you know, your Chinese is good, it's not fluent though, and you none of us can read or write, how is that going to impact having kids and teaching your kids a second language. Will you teach your kids a second language? And if so, how? How are you going to go about that? Hmm. I don't know, man. Like, um, I definitely want my kids to, to know Mandarin and I want them to be better than me at it, which yeah. is like, I'm going to be one of those, one of those parents that are like, fuck, my parents will keep wanting me to learn Mandarin. It'll, it'll just be this never-ending cycle of like me thinking it's lame that my mom teaches Mandarin and wants to teach mm-hmm. me Mandarin and then my kids will think it's lame as fuck. And then, and then nothing's going to be solved. And then the, yeah, the, the sun will explode one day and still my product, like progeny have not learnt Mandarin. Um, but yeah, I think I think making it more something they want to do rather than forcing it up. like I think that was the problem with me when I was young. I always saw it as something my mum wanted, not something I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know. Like it's about kind of adjusting your your child's um Kind of just like manipulating their their brain to be like, look how fun it is, look how cool it is. But at the same time, like it just like it never works. Like my parents used to be like watching Chinese TV, like Roger, Roger, come, come, come. I'm like, what, 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 what? Look, a black guy speaking Mandarin on TV. 
I was like, they love that sort of they thing. They fucking love say, that shit. They yeah. And I was like, and they're like, song. you should learn Mandarin. I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how. I don't know how I could do it. Like, it's. I just. Would you go the like immersion? I mean, I can try, but to to make that effective, like I have to be speaking Mandarin right. to my. And your partner has to be. Speaking yeah, to that's your consideration. Yeah. yeah, that's tricky, man. So you're like, saying that Lauren's Mandarin isn't as good. No, but like even me, I, you know, as I said, my conversational was shit. I'm like, how was work today? <laughs> good. <laughs> Teaching medical terms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I think I just have to send them to Chinese school or like immerse oh, them with they're my. Hate they're gonna that. fucking hate me. Um, is yeah. learning Chinese becoming more cool nowadays? Has the culture turned around yeah. into somehow you make, make it, it cool? Yeah, I, I think only, I think what you're getting at is only applicable to adults, because mm. and for adults, it's like everyone sees the way that the world is turning and the way that globalization is shifting. Mm. That's purely for adults. It doesn't work. Kids, kids barely have object permanence, let yeah. alone a concept of global geopolitics. <laughs> but I have a feeling like. Even with pop culture nowadays, like the rise of K-pop and the rise of um, even like movies made in China. What was that movie? Great Wall? Or whatever. Yeah, the Matt Damon one. Yeah, you? yeah, that was terrible. But <laughs> like just the rise of the culture, uh, that really what, and pop, really what drives possibly um, a more uh, yeah. juvenile uh Mm. I'll just get them to watch exclusively like Mulan the cartoon, Mulan yeah. the live action. Well, I was going to say <laughs> the best way to get kids to learn, and to be honest, if you want to learn any language, um, is to get them to watch cartoons. Yeah, true. Because the, the language is so basic and oh, the sentence yes. structure is so basic. I'll learn shit as well. That's, yeah. yeah. That's I should watch some Chinese Peppa Pig right now. That's it. Peppa Pig. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, I remember watching exactly this. I actually watched Chinese cartoons when I was young. Yeah, yeah I mean, I used to watch, like, I used to love Journey to the West. Like, the there's a live-action Monkey King with, like... Oh, yeah. I freaking froth that. The other, like, the other, I think last year or something. There'd be so up. many cartoon versions of that. Yeah, but, like, the original where, like, there's a guy who wears, like, a silicon pig mask to be, like, the mm. <laughs> fat pig guy. Actually, that's something I really wanted to learn more about, uh... As I get older, it's just the whole like all that mythology, mythology and yeah. culture and stuff. Yeah, it's that's another thing my dad fucking loves. Yeah. But it's just so interesting too. Mm-hmm. It's one of those half ideas. Yeah, you know, another half is. idea. Yeah, I, I know a lot about Greek mythology, but I know shit all about the Chinese <laughs> stuff. Um, you think that you will try to do it through immersion? I don't know how what I'm going to do. Will you send, like, your kids, like your parents did, send them to the grandparents and then the grandparents deal with that? You yeah, could do that. That's a good idea. Them. That's a good idea. Just parachute them every yeah. day. I don't know. You know what? I'm just going to – they're going to learn through neglect. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh. Also, my, my, like, my parents are weird. They're going to teach them some weird things as well. Like, what? I don't know. Like, they're kind of, like, I don't know, bad <laughs> habits, like being messy. I don't know. Like <laughs> – what about you, Richard? How will you? How do you think you'll go about it? Yeah, this is a tricky one because you touched on it just before. Your partner also has to be on board mm-hmm. with with this, so you, and you may touch on this I, when I it's your turn. <laughs> your partner. Yeah, so she can't speak uh, fluent an uh, Asian language, mm-hmm. but she can speak fluent German. What? Whoa! Yeah, so she was born in Germany. Wow. And um, her parents and family can speak German fluently. Does she identify more with the German side because she grew up there? Um, 
I think she does. Okay. And uh, yeah, going back to like her her bit of her background, she went back to Germany to study uh, after high school. There's like a gap year, it's like a year and a half of German, mm. so she can also get her German passport. Mm. Um, and she did like half a semester or half a year of medicine in Germany. So through that, I think there'll be a, maybe a little bit of a conflict on what language we end up deciding and what the kid will mm. learn. Cause it could be Chinese, she's Cambodian, she could be Cambodian, could be Mandarin, mm-hmm. also Cantonese, Mandarin, or it could be German. So there's so many different languages. That's, that's part mm. of uh, both of us. It's like, the heck? It's like, yeah, how do you reconcile that? It, I guess you'd have to just think about if we teach them another language, why do we teach it? Is hmm. it because we want them to be in touch with their culture or is it because we want them to be able to communicate with grandparents? That's right, yeah. It's, it's yeah, trying to mediate that conflict. Well, you just turn them into a Google Translate bot. Like, it's <laughs> like impossible. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's such a hard question. I don't have the answer now because, you know, um, that's the that's even before you decide on how you teach them, right? It's yeah. what to teach them. Yeah. Mm. So, what and why? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Don't know. Don't know so, so for me, I, I want my kids to speak, be able to at least have the same. I want them to be better than me. I want them to have more proficiency than I do, Cantonese, mm. um, which isn't hard. <laughs> um, and then my partner, Veronica, he's big Sinhalese and he's fluent. He went, he learned it through both immersion, but also he went to Sinhalese school between year one or year two up until about year 10. Oh, wow. So he speaks wow. and reads and write. Um, his fluency kind of varies, especially with the reading and writing, depending on how much he's doing mm. it. Um, but he's fluent. Um, so we have to kind of figure out what we're going to do. Yikes. Um, We've talked about it. We would like, <laughs> we would like the kids to do so. Cantonese school, the one that I went to in Dundas. That's on a Friday night. Exact one. Exact. Exactly. Exact same same one. One. No, I would want to find a different one because I didn't like the one that I went to. Oh, okay. Maybe Isaac's mum. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that's a Friday night. Saturday is football, and then Sunday morning <laughs> they can go to the single East in North Parramatta. <laughs> Jesus. Do wow. you do you reckon like? If, as your child is learning Sinhalese, would you also want to learn some Sinhalese? I would like to, and I asked. I was like, I asked him. I was like, how can I go about that? Like, is there courses? Is there a school? And he was like, Good luck. Duolingo. And it's not on there. Oh, oh. Cantonese isn't on there either. Actually, why oh, is not? No. Uh, German's on there, by the way. Yeah. There you go. Um, um, or would Veronica learn a bit of Canto? He's expressed interest in it, and yeah. I was like, it's going to be hard yeah. as well because it's a tonal language. <sighs> yeah. So he was like, I could learn phrases, maybe, mm. but it, that's going to be really, really tricky. It's easier, he's, yeah. He's learned phrases or words. So oh. he knows the words for, like, certain foods. Oh, nice. Um, He knows phrases for, like, it's time to eat and stuff because I'll use it. Mm. And... Yeah, I'll use that, and he's, like, learned those phrases. <laughs> he can't say them, but he's, like, learned them. Mm. Um, but I don't, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just, really like, as, as the child, I can imagine it will be much better for the child if both parents could also speak that language that, they're, that they are encouraging the child to learn as well. It's, I agree. Yeah. I think for non-Chinese, like, Chinese is so hard to learn because of the character. It's, like, 
it's not an alphabetical no. um, language system. And um, often your reading and writing and your language all comes together. Like once you've learned the alphabet and how to read words in the alphabet, you can it then becomes self propagating like yeah because it's phonetic you you decode things phonetically yeah and you be, you can read something like that's what this sounds like with chinese you can't you can't read something like i know what that sounds like you either know it or you don't yeah you can kind of guess sometimes if it's got certain like i forget what they're called but like certain characters sometimes characters within characters yeah you can like, recognize but, like this is water this is yeah water. exactly this but it's but you, yeah. you can't you can, if you don't know it you don't know it it's like oh i gotta look that one up so it's mm. it's and that's also why it's so hard to keep up with the the reading and writing as well. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very very tricky. And I don't know. Do you guys worry that with because you know, for example, because we grew up in Australia with English schooling, our Chinese isn't as good as our parents. Mm. Uh, and I imagine our kids' Chinese isn't going to be as good as ours. Do you mm. worry about that? Just slowly that de-evolution. Yeah, we're all we're all just going to speak in grunts in <laughs> two hundred years, <laughs> or even having a some machine attached to us. Just, yeah, just, just translating yeah. just thought, yeah. just tele telepathy. Yeah, all right. But like, why is that loss of language? Like, why is that such a worrying thing? Like, it is a worrying thing yeah. to have that slowly loss. Is it like if you can't speak the language, you have less of the culture? Like you are less tied to your culture if you don't have the language. Mm, there are other ways to be connected mm. to culture, I think, but because language, you can see it happening so slowly, and it's 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 it feels inevitable. Yeah. Maybe that's what gives you that sinking feeling. Mm. Which, you know, I need to do something about it, but again, it's a half yeah, idea, yeah, and then I was like, oh. <laughs> um, other things like making food is is another way that you can retain the culture. Yeah. Um, doing traditions. But, you know, I think, yeah, like I personally, like after learning Chinese in uni, I felt more, I never really felt proud to be Chinese, to be honest. Like I, I, I remember even early uni, I'd see these like Korean medical students doing their Korean. They are so they are, proud. They're very proud. But I always, I was always like, I wish I was a bit more, I had a bit more of that because there's no Chinese pride per se. Like we don't really have much of an identity or a, like a strong identity our identity is like eastwood yeah yeah but then like all of this kind of happened at once where like because the world centers around me um i learned chinese subtle asian traits became a thing oh, yeah. more and more kind of just recognition and representation of chinese or east east asian people in in western media as well mm. and i just felt so much prouder like through that whole process, like subtle Asian traits, it, I think even though it's, we see it as a meme, I think it's it's done so well to allow people to kind of yeah like, recognize and well, connect yeah, and celebrate even, their even Chinese like culture. With a rudimentary level of Chinese, you were people were still able to go, like, holy shit, I recognize this. Yeah, this idea, of, yeah, representation. Yeah, yeah, things. Media. Yeah, things that you didn't think were like like it's not just you it's there's people all around the world who share these experiences um and that's why like my meme page is like popular in california apparently. <laughs> like, oh, wow, wow that's awesome um and when i was learning chinese like it just felt like it was all coming together and i could go to china if i wanted to and i did go to china and like 
tourism in China is a, is its whole is a whole monster. It's its own beast, and it is very intense. But like, the, the, nevertheless, the fact that I could do it was all really good. And like, there are some really good films that have come out. Like, um, this is one like everyone likes a crazy rich Asian, which is okay. But like, there's this one with like Aquafina that she does called um, The Farewell. Yeah, The Farewell, mm-hmm. and I watched that, and I was. That was like beautiful, and I like I've I've, I've, ne- I've never cried in movies. I've cried in two movies: that one and Bow, the short film Bow, the Pixar one. Oh, I yes. I was I was yes. ugly crying in that one. I don't know why, but I was bawling my eyes out. Like I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and that was like the first time I cried in a movie. Um, and I don't think that I think that was like I, that wouldn't have happened if not for all these other things happening around me. Um, to make me feel like I can be proud-ish to be Chinese, or at least that I'm that I am who I am because I am Chinese, um, and I don't think I ever really got to that stage until my early twenties. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's something that all of us are starting to come to realize, like that sense of identity and that mm-hmm. proudness, like what you said about that idea of pride. I think it's becoming more, and, it's becoming stronger and stronger because. In the media, there's such a big, or there's a bigger push to try and get Asian, for example, Asian Americans mm. into the mainstream media. So, like, crazy rich Asians. Now, it's like Marvel. Marvel yeah. has so, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Even, like, things from Canada, like Kim's Convenience. Mm. Like, we all watch that. We love that because we're like, it's, it's possible to have success as mm. a minority mm. even though you know hollywood is its own different thing and that's not obtainable success for all yeah. of us mm. but it is still a representation yeah. that's that's i guess my hope like going into the future that it becomes a push through media and everyone's like oh yeah learning chinese good and then mm. hopefully my the, the, the children will be able yeah. to learn chinese and it's a self-motivated yeah it's process. like how do you motivate someone to learn because yeah mine is coming from only since I'm older. When I was a kid, I was like, whatever. Mm. Um, which, actually, I've had a thought. To be able to get your kids to want to learn Chinese without, like, sending them off to your grandparents is finding something that they're really, really interested in, mm. like a hobby. Yeah, true. So, like, if it's cooking, getting them to learn, you know, utensils, like, verbs in yeah. Mandarin, teaching mm. them how to cook something purely in Mandarin. Or if they're like a sport, getting them to watch that sport. But all the broadcasts is like. I thought you meant like if you you watch that country or the Chinese. Well, yeah, that uh, as well. That's how you can foster a sense of pride mm. as well. Yeah, I'm going to have like an arsenal of DVDs of like between the ages of one <laughs> and two, you're watching Chinese Peppa Pig, and then you know, we've got like. <laughs> Doraemon, and then oh yeah, <laughs> like all the way up to Shang Chi, yeah, in their yeah. teens. Like, how do you cool! You want them to learn how to read and write as well, or do you think just speaking is? I've I've seen um, enough successful doctors who can't read and write, mm-hmm. um, who see Chinese patients. So I think it's not as important. Mm-hmm. Um, like it all kind of started at, in during the start of my um, well, my my GP term. I was with two like when I was a med student. I sat in with two different Chinese speaking GPs, and one of them was Taiwan trained and like like you know super fluent. One of them was just like local, came came from China when she was like probably twelve or something, and she's saw almost ex- like eighty percent Chinese patients. So she, she can't read and write, um, but she saw heaps of Chinese patients. I sat in with a lot of specialists as well who were Chinese uh, who who could speak Chinese. Some of them were like 
really bad at it, but they got away fine. Like, and they can't read, again, can't read and write, but they saw Chinese patients. Um, so for me, I think not as necessary. I, it's ideal. Um, but it's a lot, more, a lot of effort. Um, I was working, like when I was learning to read and write, I found that so hard. Um, so hard that I've forgotten it all. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can expect them, a kid, to maintain that level at the very beginning when you teach them. So yeah. I'd be fine with them just speaking it. Yeah. Um, so then they can speak to the grandparents and, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it will be, I think, up to their decision if they want to learn to read and write. And they might make go down the same path as Roger and, like, oh, yeah, my profession needs me to adapt this uh, mm-hmm. language. So could happen. Yeah. I, um, one thing, I had, I had like this exact chat with my dad maybe a month ago, um, and he, I was like, how did you come to, like, how did you find this Chinese school? Because we were walking the dog and we were walking it past Dundas. Mm. And he was like, oh, I, I was like, did you send us to Chinese school or to this one just because it happened to be, you know, a couple of streets away from where we lived? And he goes, no, 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 it's a bonus that it was this close, but I specifically looked for Chinese schools to send you to. And I was like, why did you do that? And he goes, um, I, it, for me, as a dad, that was a non-negotiable. You can do whatever you want, but you had to have gone to Chinese school for a few years because he said that he felt that if he didn't at least give us that opportunity, he didn't do his um, – he wasn't fulfilling his role as a father. Mm-hmm. It was like from a cultural perspective, I had to have given you that chance to have learnt. Otherwise, yeah, I wasn't being a good father. I wasn't giving you that opportunity. Whether or not you choose to use it, that's up to you, but at least I have – fulfilled that role as a father and I was like oh now I feel shit <laughs> now I feel like such an asshole because yeah. I hate the Chinese yeah. um, and look what you've done with it <laughs> I know and now look at me I will get there I will I think yeah. the older I get the stronger that desire becomes to improve yeah and I can't need for it not to be so fractured this is a random question do you guys just because, you know, we all identify as both Cantonese, oh, sorry, both Chinese and English speaking. When you're thinking in your head, do you think in Cantonese, do you think in Chinese or English or like a bit of both or was yeah. it ever? It's almost always English for me. Oh, actually, no. For me, it was, in- it's English, but then I found myself in Taiwan, when I was in Taiwan for mm-hmm. a month doing like a medical activity, so I was thinking in Chinese mm-hmm. in my head. So I found that, I did recognize that and like, oh. Cool. Well, Interesting. Yeah. I think of numbers in Chinese. <laughs> I've heard that as well. I've heard yeah, that. Yeah, okay, yeah, I do. Because when I was young, like, I had to recite the times tables and it oh, sounded God, better. You had to do that in, oh. It sounded better in Chinese. Like, yeah. Uh, some, My sister yeah. does that. She she remembers phone numbers in Chinese yeah. and her own phone number, she knows it in Cantonese. So whenever someone has to ask her, she's like, hold on. Five, yeah, three, <laughs> and it sounds like she's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So numbers is, is Chinese for me, just because it makes sense. The number system that makes sense. Yeah. Any any other things or just numbers? Literally, just numbers. Oh, sometimes when I'm talking to parents, then I like rehearse the phrase in my head before I say it. Mm-hmm. But or oh, actually, when I speak Mandarin to people, I rehearse in Cantonese before mm-hmm. saying it. Mm. That's that, that's how I make the, the connection. The My friend does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My friend does yeah. that too. Actually, yeah. yeah. But if it's talking to someone in English, no, nah, it's always Australian English. Mm. So I remember to add on the mate <laughs> <laughs> at the end. 
So for me, when I'm thinking, I'm half half actually, and I don't know, and I don't know why that is because English has always been my first language. But I, when I'm thinking, half of it's in Cantonese, half of it's in Australian English, hmm. and there'll be times when I'm talking and I've literally forgotten what the English word <laughs> is, and one of you will be like, "Fuck." <laughs> English is your first language. How can you not know what this is called in English? And now I have to like translate it in my head. And I don't know if that's because growing up I've like tried to lean in so hard to be able to learn the Cantonese or it's because when I was growing up, when I was starting to learn Cantonese, I had learned things exclusively, like phrases exclusively in Cantonese. Mm. And then the English came after that. But I'll be thinking in my head and I'll be like, Malaga, but what is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I don't, and I don't know where that's come from. Very strange. Yeah. Very strange. Oh, 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 and because you are our guest, you are the lucky recipient of one of our Lifestyle Regular merch shirts. Woo! Woo. Looks so good. I like the embroidery. Oh, big looks plug. Ex- yeah, looks expensive. Looks, <laughs> looks like it would cost about market price, like retail <laughs> price to make, actually. If anyone else would like to get in on the merch, please go over to our Instagram page. Look up Lifestyle Regulars on Instagram and you can see pictures of the T-shirts and send us a DM if you're interested in grabbing one of these. Um, until next time, thank you for listening. Goodbye, Hachi Kin. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.